There's a confirmed twist in the Delphi murder case of teenagers Abby Williams and Libby German. Abby and Libby were killed on Monday, February 13, 2017, after 2 p.m. in Delphi, Indiana, in an area called Monon High Bridge where many people visit. Their bodies were found the next day at around noon. And their bodies happened to be on a property owned by a man named Ronald Logan. And it's 1,400 feet from his home. In the case, there was also a recording that happened at 2.13 p.m. where Libby recorded a guy named Bridge Guy or BG. An FBI agent wrote some documents. It was about a month after the murders took place. In the last day, there were some documents leaked and an FBI agent in these documents requested a search warrant for the property of Ronald Logan. And it also stated in there a whole lot of details of why she thinks and believes that he is tied to the crime. So let's get into it. This FBI agent wrote several details of why they should search Ronald's property. Some of the info has been redacted. At the crime scene, Abby and Libby were found dead and in the documents it stated it was wounds caused by a blank weapon. It also says that the girls had no visible signs of a struggle or a fight. And there was a large amount of blood that was lost by both Abby and Libby. And because of that, this FBI agent said that it is nearly certain the perpetrator of the crime would have gotten blood on his person slash clothing. The bodies were said to also have been moved and staged. Also notable, there was an item or items of clothing missing from the crime scene. It was redacted, so it is not clear as to what, but it does talk about missing items and alludes to clothing. The agent also said, based upon my training and experience, it is common for perpetrators of this type of crime to take a souvenir or in some fashion, memorialize the crime scene, whether by photos or electronic or digital methods that are then downloaded onto computers, storage devices, tablets, phone, iPad devices or other electronic devices that store digital data for later viewing, scanning, or copying. And while the crime scene investigators processed the scene, it said that they located unknown fibers and unidentified hairs. Now let's talk about Ronald Logan. At the time, Ronald was 77 years old, and don't let this age fool you because he has a pretty sordid history. The agent compares Ronald to the guy in the video that Libby recorded. All we've heard so far in the last five years is two versions. The first was the words down the hill. And the second version, which was released much later, had one word added, guys down the hill. Have a look. In this document, it actually says that the clip is 43 seconds in length. And it also says that the clip that was publicized was near the end of the video. The agent said, it sounds as though he is directing the victims to leave the trail they were on and enter the wooded area below, which is where Ronald's property is. Also, she states that no one has come forward identifying themselves as the person in this video, which makes the authorities and this agent believe that the person in the video was part of the murders. When comparing Ronald with the video, she said his physical build is consistent with Bridge Guy. She also said he is able to get up and down the hill 
from his home to the crime scene. And she said his voice was not inconsistent. So she does this double negative meaning in the document. It obviously means it is consistent with the clip. The exact sentence she used was, his voice is not inconsistent with that of the person of the video. Let's have a clip of Ronald giving an interview. I recently spoke to him about the murders. You just cannot believe this terrible thing that happened to the community and the families actually happened here on my property in my backyard. Also in that video, did you notice that he limps kind of like the bridge guy? I recently spoke to him about the murders. And there was one really interesting sentence to me in this document that didn't really fit the paragraph. It says, Logan owns farmland and cares for large animals. And it makes me wonder, is this sentence pertaining to the weapon used? Because there's a reason the sentence is in there, right? Wouldn't you agree? It's in the same paragraph as his age, his physical build, and being interviewed several times, and his voice. So I find it interesting that that line was in there. I do wonder about the weapons, let me know below. It said that Ronald owned numerous weapons, including handguns and knives, and they searched his home at that time because of a probation violation. So they were able to get in there. And this was another document to go back. Now here's where it gets really interesting. The morning after the murders, which is Tuesday, February the 14th, but before the girls were found, as they were found at around 12.30, I believe, just afternoon, Ron contacts his cousin and asks his cousin to tell the police that he came to Ron's house between 2 and 2.30 on February 13th to pick him up. Now remember, at 2.13 was when Libby did the video clip of BG. Now he also told the cousin to say that he drove Ron to Lafayette, Indiana, which was about a half an hour drive, and he says that they returned between 5 p.m. and 5.30. You know what's interesting about that? At 5.30 is when Abby and Libby were reported missing. How would he know that? So Ron lied to the authorities when he was questioned. And he told him that he was picked up by his cousin around 3 p.m. and went to the aquarium and that he drove straight home after that. The cousin was interviewed and he told the authorities that he lied because Ron asked him to. And he said that Ron never asked him to lie before. And he also said that he knew that Ron had been driving his vehicle even though he had been on probation and wasn't supposed to drive. Ron drove his truck while he was on probation that morning of the murders to do a trash run. But it's before the girls got to the bridge area. And Ron only asked his cousin to lie about the afternoon and not the morning. Interesting, right? Also, the cousin said that he thought the photo of bridge guy looked like Ron. Then there were two women interviewed. And one of the women said that she knew Ron seven to eight years before the murders. She said she was in a personal relationship with Ron for a couple of months and would visit him and stay over on the weekend. She also said that he became physically abusive toward her and then she left him. She said that after that they broke up, that Ron would stalk and harass her. She also said that Ron grabbed her by her hair and dragged her out of the car and that she's afraid of him. And she said that he told her he could kill her and no one would ever find her body. Gee, wonder who that sounds like. 
She also said that Ron carried a gun wherever he went. And here's the kicker. He would carry a gun in his fanny pack, which is what the bridge guy wore. Now, another little twist was this woman was shown a photo of the bridge guy. And she thought when she first looked at it that the authorities were showing her a picture of Ron. So she thought that was Ron. She didn't realize that the authorities were showing her a picture of the suspect. So now we have the cousin who thinks that bridge guy looks like Ron. And now we have this woman who thinks that bridge guy is Ron. Then there was another woman interviewed and it was stated that she was a former roommate, but really she had a, a sexual relationship with him. She lived with Ron from September 2016 to December 2016. So just two months before the murders. And she said that they were in a relationship on and off for the last three years. When she first found out what happened to the girls, she said the first thing she thought of was that Ron was involved. She also said she was afraid of him, just like the other woman. And she told someone that she knew that if she was ever found dead, that Ron did it. You can see a little pattern here. She said that Ron punched her in the face and knocked her down. And he was mad because she disrespected him in his eyes, in his house. Another interesting tidbit was that they said that there was 15 tips within that first month that pointed to Ron. And it did say for various reasons, but it didn't list what it was. Now, according to phone pings, Ron was in and around the area on February 13th. And it was said that at nighttime, the phone was likely outside of the residence and in the proximate area to where the girls were murdered. And even later that night, three hours later, it said he was likely outside and in the area or proximity where the girls were found. I have a viewer a year ago who was in the Delphi area and went to the area where the girls were killed. And she had an encounter with Ron Logan. So stay tuned for that. I'm gonna get the details again, cause it's a little fuzzy. <laughs> so basically in this document, the agent outlines that because he was in the area at the time this crime occurred, and that he lied about his actions in the afternoon, and he also has a background in violence, and also he tried to get his cousin to lie to the authorities and create some sort of alibi for himself, that there is probable cause that Ronald Logan committed this crime and evidence of that could be found on his property. The document then lists everything to be searched, including his residence, his garage, the outbuildings and his white Ford F-250. Plus, of course, any and all evidence pertaining to the murder includes clothing, forensics, blood, etc. And it also lists electronic devices and any records, writing, or documents that have information of the crime or crime scene or anybody involved. Plus, it says also computer data like email, photos, files, videos, all that. So my question is, what the heck happened? Why wasn't Ronald Logan identified as a suspect? That's weird, right? It's been five years. And now it's interesting with the timing of this document coming out because Ronald Logan died in January of 2022. So it's very interesting, and you can let me know below, 
the timing about this. Also, we heard recently that there was DNA collected at the crime scene. And Libby's grandma, Becky Patty, said that there was DNA. So does it not match? Or is there more than one person involved? Now, there's another twist in this as well. A guy named Keegan Klein was announced not too long ago. He wasn't announced as a suspect, but authorities were asking questions about him. He had a fake profile online. That profile's name was Anthony Schatz, and he used it to get inappropriate photos and videos of young underage girls. He used Snapchat and Instagram to hunt for these young girls. And he actually had contact with Libby on the day she was killed. And authorities noted that he used his computer to search how long does DNA last. But Libby's grandma says, I know for a fact that this Anthony Schatz account did have contact with Libby. I feel that he knows more than he says. Now, Keegan Klein is in jail for his filthy conduct. And it was said that he failed a polygraph when it came to the question if he murdered the girls. But he is adamant that he had nothing to do with it. And he also hasn't been announced, as I said, as a suspect. Now, I'll have a video on Keegan and you can see that below. Stay tuned for part two. Click here to see the Keegan Klein video and here to see the playlist. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you soon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.